Hey guys, um, this is just a little recording that I put together after the production of this episode, but I wanted to put it in the beginning. Um, my plan in this episode was to use the submissions that I got from the goal submission uh, link on on the Journey Podcast website, which is on my website. It's dradulovich.com slash podcast. Um, and uh, I wanted to take some of the submissions that I got, analyze them, go in depth, um, and then use the information to kind of like refine and help you guys. And so you'll hear in this episode where I there might be a transition point where I say, okay, let's get into your submissions, and we're going to go into that, and then just and then it gets into another topic where I, I it sounds like there's something wrong with the episode. It's not. The reason why I did it this way was because in the middle, <laughs> it's crazy. In the middle of doing all this, I was getting so many. Um, submissions to the thing online that I kind of want to let it die down a little bit because the important part about like the reason why I'm allowing you guys to submit your goals and encouraging it is because once I get those submissions we're going to use that information to help you build stuff and move forward and it's going to be kind of like the the foundational content for the podcast for the rest of the year and I'm just a little hesitant to um, to just you know start using that right now while there are so many of you that are wanting to to participate in this podcast uh, series live, and uh, I don't want to jump ahead of people and make it to where it's kind of too late for them to submit their stuff, and. Uh, and then get behind and and not be able to take full advantage of everything. So um, I'm I'm probably going to restructure a little bit how I plan to do this because uh, the way that I was wanting to do it was have a little snippet of doing that in this episode. I may just release like a bonus episode of solely going through uh, different submissions and talking about them. That way it doesn't get lost in the content that I'm trying to teach you. And also that way I can do it at a time when the submissions start to die down and we get the most amount of people, um, you know, involved in this as possible because it's a new podcast. A lot of you haven't heard of it yet. And every time I make a post about something, I hit another, you know, 20% of the audience that's already participating, uh, and has already heard about it. I, I hit 20% of those people for the first time to hear about it. And then they get excited and then want to go submit. So I want to wait for that to die down a little bit and then, and then we'll start to incorporate that stuff. So number one, don't get confused that, you know, well, what happened is my uh, podcast thing broken and it's not playing everything. No, that's how I released it. But then also don't get discouraged if, you know, you were expecting to hear some of your uh, goals and submissions and stuff on here and have me go in depth because I am going to do it. I'm just going to do it in a way that helps everybody the most. Um, on top of that, uh, the uh, I'm going to, I, I say this at the end, but I'm going to bring it in right now too. Uh, because I want to give you guys enough time to digest the information in this episode, I'm going to push the YouTube live that's supposed to be Wednesday, January 11th, 
um, to, I'm going to push it to Thursday, January 12th. That way we have at least about two days for you guys to listen to this. I don't expect you guys to be able to listen to this whole podcast in two days. Um, but, uh, we'll, uh, we'll push that one day further. That way there's some time for you guys to, to, uh, do that. So it'll be Thursday, January 12th, uh, from, 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock p.m. Central Time. That way I can uh, get people on multiple different time zones involved. If you're on the West Coast, you can join in later. If you're on the East Coast, you can, you can you know, adios early uh, and stay as long as you want and or as little as you want. But I just want to make sure that I'm not doing it at a time that, uh, you know, doesn't allow people to do it because they're either at work or going to sleep. Um, cool. So that's just my little post uh, production intro. Now we'll get into the real intro. Well, guys, um, welcome to the second episode of the journey podcast. And thank you for being here. I have to say that the uh, little surprise that I threw in the middle of the last episode about uh, some homework that I assigned for those of you who are wanting to participate in this podcast got overwhelming participation participation Um, had over 400 people submit their goals for the 2023 shooting year and so what I'm going to be doing with that is using those submissions to comb through and uh, kind of pick certain people's submissions that gave me per, per, uh, permission to use to look for common themes of mistakes made or uh, interpretations that uh, of how to set goals that can be modified to help actually accomplish them and build a plan and basically go through all of those submissions put together a way to present some of them so that I can use your examples to cover the basis for everybody that submitted so that every person that did it in a way that might not help them as much as possible will still understand what to do and modify and how to change it. So that way going forward, we have the best possible uh, outline and structure and we'll call it end goal to meet for what the purpose of this whole podcast is going to be. Um, my goal with those submissions, and I'm going to be doing a fairly large amount of that type of stuff as we move forward for the next year. But my goal for those submissions is to uh, exactly to do exactly what I just explained. Go through, look at all of them, and pick certain ones that I think I can use to cover the basis of every entry that was submitted. Um, so. Uh, as far as that goes, if you listen to the last episode, I kind of laid out the structure for how this month will be and how every month going forward um, is going to have a different topic and everything like that. I don't need to go over that again if you want to understand how this podcast will work because it will be a lot different uh, than any of the other shooting podcasts involved uh, that you may know about in the shooting industry or in clay target shooting. Um, this is going to be a like a, um, a podcast that is very interactive and uses all of your submissions and participation and YouTube live videos to basically kind of work as a podcast that coaches you personally through accomplishing your goals. So that was the purpose of the submission of the goals. Um, we're going to pull that information and use it as we go uh, throughout the rest of the year. With this episode, I'm going to real quickly go through a summary of all the topics that I want to cover. 
um, and kind of let you know some of the questions I'm wanting to answer for all of you. I hope to cover in my explanation of all these different topics. And then um, we'll hit the ground running after that. So I'm just going to get into it because I like to, uh, you know, set things up in a way that allows you to understand what the what we're going to be talk about talking about. So I'm going to go over what we're going to do, then I'm going to go into it, and then I'm going to summarize at the end of the episode. Um, and there is, if you haven't noticed yet by listening to this, there is going to be timestamps in the description of this podcast so that if you want to kind of comb through and listen to specific things, that you can do so pretty conveniently without having to try to find what I'm talking about with no help. So again, if you're if you're trying to get into something really quick, always look at the descriptions on the bottom of the podcast so that you can have a nice little uh, uh, defined uh, timestamps thing. So anyways, as far as the summary of this episode goes, I'm going to be covering a multitude of topics uh, and in the order that I'm going to do it, First one I'm going to get into is goal setting, obviously. That's where we're going to pull in some of the submissions, talk about them. But some other questions that I want to answer for you are going to be, how do I set goals in a way that helps me accomplish them? What different types of goals should I set? And then what is a good time frame to set goals within? So uh, on top of going through the structure of them and learning how to critique goals, we're going to be answering those questions. Next topic I'm going to be getting into is what I'm going to be calling important traits and skill sets. When we get to that topic, that summary title is going to make more sense to you, but the questions that I hope to answer are going to be, uh, what do I need to know about myself or be able to do in order to accomplish my goals? Why do I need to understand what traits and skill sets are important to accomplishing my goals? And then how do I find all of these things out about myself? Again, that'll make more sense later on when we get into it. This is just a summary. Next topic I want to go to uh, after that, and this is going to be something that will continuously exist uh, very heavily throughout the remainder of the year, is going to be uh, self-analysis or self-assessment. Basically, um, I'm going to kind of just touch on what those are and teach you about how to do it, the importance of it. But the questions, again, that I'm going to try to answer for you are, why is it important to be self-aware? What do I need to be self-aware about? How do I run a self-analysis? So how do I go about doing one? And then uh, what do I use the information that I get from running a self-analysis? What do I use that information for? How do I incorporate the information I get into helping me accomplish my goals. After that, I'm gonna touch on building a plan. So basically, how do I build a plan? Pretty obvious there. Uh, What do I need to include in a plan so that it leads me to accomplishing my goals? What a structured plan looks like for somebody who hates structure. And I know you can't see me, but I'm over here raising my hand. I am definitely not somebody who enjoys following a really tight schedule and making sure I check things off. Um, so I want to make sure that I that I can hit the importance of how to do it, uh, build a plan and structured plan uh, for somebody like that. So that help all of you. And then um, the importance of having balance in your plan. That's going to be 
uh, really, really important because without good balance in your plan, the success is going to be not that good. Um, after that, I'm going to touch on staying focused and disciplined. So basically, how do I stay on track and keep making progress and getting better? And then lastly, um, just an overarching question that kind of summarizes everything and the whole purpose of this that I want to answer that hopefully doesn't apply to all of you or many of you, but it will for some because we may get a little lost. But the question I want to cover is, what do I do if I'm not seeing any improvement or making progress towards my goals? Um, so with that being said, let's get into the first topic and I'm really looking forward to it. So here we go. Okay, so goal setting, first topic. Let's just dive in. Um, why is it important? Why do I need to set goals to help me progress in my shooting? Um, very simple, uh, but important answer. It really depends on the purpose for which you shoot this game uh, and you play this game. Everybody has their own reason for being a clay target shooter. Some people do it because they're very competitive and they enjoy the competitive aspect of it, whereas other people uh, do it because they love the game and that's simply it. They don't even compete or maybe they do, but they don't go to competitions for the competitions and to uh, have specific results um, and win certain things, but instead they go because of the camaraderie and the atmosphere there and the enjoyment of spending time with their friends. Other people do this because it's part of their corporate event structure at their work or they just love the social aspect of it. There is no correct reason for why you play this game. Um, but uh, dependent on the filter that you use uh, for participating in clay target shooting, sporting clays, feed tasks, but whatever game you're playing, um, most everybody enjoys accomplishing things and the dopamine we get from that and the enjoyment that we, that we experience from progressing forward in something that we're passionate about. And if you're doing this, obviously it's something that you're passionate about. So the question is that how do I set myself up for a way, uh, in a way so that I continuously experience that type of, uh, feedback from what I'm putting all this effort, time, money uh, into. Uh, goal setting is the first thing that comes up. The, if you just exist in doing what you're doing, you uh, never really make any progress towards anything because you have nothing that you're trying to progress towards. The um, important thing about setting a goal setting goals not just a goal but setting goals is that it gives you a defined roadmap and without that roadmap for how you're going to move forward in what you're doing again we just get stagnant um, and uh, it allows you to be able not only to track your progress to see what's happening but also to get that feedback and say oh, man I'm doing really good it, it increases your motivation increases your uh, the joy that you get out of doing what you're doing everything so very very important to set goals I know that's not a super great explanation of it but I'm not here to explain uh, you know <laughs> just a, a very basic understanding of goal setting what we're here to do is get into the nitty gritty of what they are, how to do it, um, how to define it, how to set it up so that you actually end up accomplishing them. So 
in order to do that, we first have to understand that there are different types of goals. Um, the uh, I'll go through them. So uh, the first type of goal that I'm going to talk about is what, I, and again, I'm going to use words that I use uh, in my teaching. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to use, if you were to Google search, you know, how to set goals, you might see different phrases or words or things like that. I don't like to talk in a way that sounds corporate or uh, like I'm a, you know, a public speaker in some way. I just want to be human with you. So anyways, um, the first type of goal that I like to um, emphasize is what I consider to be a product goal. Okay, product goals are performance-based goals. So if you, if you can understand what uh, it would mean to have something that it results in a product, your product goal would be something that you essentially can measure and accomplish. Um, examples of a product goal would be something like, I want to shoot 170 out of 200 at a two-day tournament, or I want to win HOA or my class at a tournament, or I want to finish top three in the yearly league at my home club. Okay, The main idea for a product goal is that it's a goal that's attained through a tangible and measurable action or set of actions. You either did or did not accomplish that thing, uh, and I'm going to add one more qualifier here, by that time. Okay, so product goals are something that you do or do not attain or accomplish by a specific time. Um, it's not something that you measure on a daily basis. Um, the next type of goal that is important uh, to include in a, in a plan that you would be putting together is what I like to call a process goal. Okay, so product goals and process goals. I consider process goals to be habit forming. So uh, a, a process goal would be something that is you can't look at a specific snapshot of time and say, did I accomplish my process goal? Yes or no because it's not really something that you gain. It's something you do. Uh, an example of a process goal, a habit-forming process goal, would be uh, that, you know, let's say, I want to run a self-analysis after every performance that I have. Or I want to set and stick to a consistent practice routine. Or I want to develop a consistent in-event routine for my tournaments. The main idea of a process goal is that, like I said, it's a goal that never ends, but instead is something that brings positive value to the execution and performance of what you're doing. If you think about how this works in terms of process goals and product goals, you might be able to put together that a process goal is something that helps you accomplish a product goal. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later, but just keep that in the back of your mind for now. Um, okay, so time periods of goals. I should add real quick that this episode of, and really this whole month of this podcast is not going to be something where I go so heavy into the details of everything that I'm trying to explain that we never come back, we don't need to come back to them again. What I'm gonna be doing here is trying to highlight, summarize, and define all the things that we will be doing uh, and all the topics we will be using and things to lay the foundation of 
the next 11 months. So this is going to be giving you an understanding, presenting you information so that you understand all the things that we will be using the rest of the year, but not getting so deep into them that uh, we never have to touch on them again because we're going to be pulling them back into every episode for the next uh, 12 months. So anyways, let's go. Uh, Time periods of goals. So uh, we're going for the purpose of this podcast because I'm structuring this whole thing as a year-long thing, a year-long course, so to speak, uh, so that we're going to lay out your product goals um, that end at the end of this year to help you accomplish that. We are going to define for uh, for this podcast, we're going to define the time periods of goals into two different categories, long-term goals and short-term goals. Uh, the definition that we will use for a long-term goal is going to be any goal that is uh, that the the time stamp on it is longer than one year. Or we'll do any goal that time stamp uh, that has a time stamp uh, for 2024 or later, and then a short-term goal will be any goal that basically the process of it. Um, uh, reaches the pinnacle or the end by the end of the shooting season. So a lot of what we'll be doing here is mainly just talking about our short-term goals. Um, because of the fact that process goals are habit-forming goals and non-ending goals that you can't just attain, um, really the only thing that apply the the, uh, the only type of goal that these this the definition of long-term versus short-term goals would apply to is your product goals so base again w- your short-term product goals will be what we will be focusing on very heavily for this podcast there's another type of goal that um I think is very, very important in order to help you accomplish your long and short-term product goals. I like to call those stepping stone goals. A lot of other people call them milestones, milestone goals, whatever, checkpoints. I call them a stepping stone goal because to me, I look at them as being a type of goal that allows us to get one step closer to being able to accomplish that for this podcast, end of the year, short-term product goal. Okay, uh, a stepping stone goal is, real quick definition, just goals that help you achieve bigger goals. Um, they will help you break down your path to attaining those long or short-term main foundational goals that we'll be using. It helps you build a roadmap for the direction of how you want to proceed forward to accomplish those product goals helps you helps keep you on track and then lastly uh, a stepping stone goal is going to very uh, easily help you measure your progress towards your end goals so I'm going to just create a little scenario here to kind of put this into um, the a picture for you to understand as if it was something that you had to put together. Um, Let's say we have somebody who has an end-of-the-year product goal to 
win HOA or their class at the 2023 state championship. Some useful process goals for that product goal would be to use a pre-shot routine before every pair that they shoot in competition. Have a focused and defined practice session twice per month and follow their in-event routine for every tournament they shoot this year. Okay, nice product goal, win the class or HOA at the state, and those process goals to be uh, are something that they're going to be doing every time that they shoot. Stepping stone goals for that product goal would be um, be sitting in the top three scores going into Sunday at three different two-day tournaments by the end of the year prior to the state championship. Close out on Sunday with winning with the winning score at least once out of those tournaments that you're sitting in the top three going into Sunday. And then win HOA or class, whatever corresponds to what that person's goal is at the state championship, win HOA or class in two different single-day monthly tournaments. Why are those good stepping stone goals? Because, let's think about it like this. Let's say that this person has not won their class or HOA at the state championship before. They don't necessarily have the experience of being in position to do that. So if you put forward a goal that is something that you have not uh, attained anything on close to that level, then when you eventually get to the moment where you can possibly, you know, there's you're at a fork in the road and if you do this XYZ thing, it will result in immediately attaining your end-of-the-year product goal. And if you fail at doing that, it results in you not accomplishing that product goal. It is incredibly helpful to have the necessary experience and tools to be able to be prepared to execute whatever it is that you have to execute in that moment so that it helps you actually end up attaining that goal. Um, so, for example, the, the stepping stone goal of be sitting in the top three scores going into Sunday at three different two-day tournaments by the end of the year. That's a, if you're going to win the state championship, that's a position that you will be in going into Sunday. Okay, And if you've never been there before, and the first time that you are is in, in the moment that you have the ability to accomplish that goal. Not only does the fact that you're about to accomplish the goal add a bunch of pressure onto you, but it's just a whole external scenario that you've never experienced before and you don't know how to handle it. The amount of pressure that you feel, the amount of anxiety, the nervousness, maybe the excitement, whatever it is. It's just something you've never dealt with before, so it would be important to learn how to deal with that situation, learn what choices to make, learn how your body physiologically responds, learn, uh, you know, in sitting in that scenario, if you know that you're in it, how easy is it for you to go to sleep? How, how easily do you lose presence of thought and start thinking about the result before it happens? Or how easily, uh, like what direction do your thoughts trend in? Do they, if you're sitting there, you know, Sunday night or Saturday night and you're looking at scores, 
do you know that your mind starts thinking, man, I can't wait to win this. This is going to be excited. Or does your mind start to think, oh man, I'm sitting in this position and I've never been here before. And uh, you know, what happens if I fail? This is my goal. I worked all year long for it. Everybody's seeing my name at the top. Other people know this is my goal. This is so much pressure. I, you know, that type of, that type of mindset and then everything in between. It's important to know how you respond, how you act in that moment, because when you're there during the middle of accomplishing your goal, you want to be able to, number one, not be surprised by the thoughts that happen in your head, the, the way that your body feels during that moment, um, and, uh, and just know what to expect. Number two, you want to be able to, now that you know what to expect, make the correct decisions to combat those things that happen that uh, decrease the probability that you will accomplish that goal. So for example, if you know that you are somebody that tends to, in that moment, lose presence of thought, you would understand how easy it is for you to, let's pull that Saturday night uh, thought process into Sunday, okay? What did you do on Saturday of the state championship that allowed you to be in position to accomplish your goal? Well, you shot really well. How do you shoot really well? You execute the process that allows you to do that very, very efficiently. Okay. Well, now come Sunday, the next day, you know you're in position to win, but you, uh, you have your mind, uh, your thought process, your conscious thought process is easily able to lose presence because you found out that that's your personality. Well, if you've never been there before, you would not realize, you would not have the self-awareness to understand that, hey, my mind is, is lost in thought about either being excited about winning and what that would feel like or being nervous about messing this up. And I'm spending all of my energy and thought process and time and thinking about those things as opposed to thinking about the process that I need to, to use during this round that I'm in the middle of right now that will help me execute perfectly so that I can put up another score on Sunday that helps me win. The if you've been in that position before and you know that that's your status quo, we'll call it, then just the awareness of it allows you to step outside of yourself, understand what's happening, and make the conscious decision to pull your thoughts back to the present moment and be in execution mode. Um, close out on Sunday with a winning score at least once in those tournaments. That's another important thing because if you, uh, in terms of stepping stone goals, you would want to have the experience of not only being in that position Saturday night, but also successfully finishing it on Sunday. Because if you put yourself in that position three times and then one time you successfully finish and you clutch out a Sunday round, end up winning, if you use this self-analysis uh, and you know uh, focus on a high level of self-awareness, and you analyze that performance and that day, and you compare it to the other two that you didn't perform well on and you didn't finish on. Let's say maybe the first time you were in that position, you choked it out and you shot terrible. Second time, it was just normal, didn't win. Third time, you ended up closing out, shot awesome. Okay, 
use a self analysis or a shoot analysis and and look at the difference in those three rounds what and not just the actual performance but you know sunday morning what was different saturday night what was different during the round what was different how did i handle the situation differently in those three things because i want to make sure that when i'm in position to do it again for my state championship which is the goal that i do the things that give me the highest probability of success i don't want to accidentally do the wrong things or not know what to do um, and so that will help you and then lastly win hoa or class in a single day monthly tournament um, same type of, of thought process there. Uh, so hopefully you're kind of understanding the trend here of what, what the purpose of these things are, how they get laid out, the structure of them, um, and then how we can like do a deep dive into all these things to gain valuable information to help you. Um, I want to just go into uh, a couple other things. The importance of being able to, as far as your goal setting goes, the importance of being able to set goals or pick goals that are unique to you, it, I, I don't even have the words to um, emphasize how required that is I teach people every day and in order for me to help give them the information that they need it's very important for me to understand what they want out of this game and let's take for example um, you know, currently I'm at West Side Sporting Grounds in Houston Texas I've been teaching here for the past week or so and I had a lot of students um, and uniquely, uh, a lot of new students here. Um, and I didn't get his permission to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. I had a 14-year-old kid uh, from Texas in a lesson a couple of days ago, and uh, he had an incredible amount of talent. And I asked him, after watching him shoot and trying to evaluate things and looking at some of the things that were happening in terms of his mechanics that he was struggling with, um, I looked at the path forward to understand how do I really want to teach this person because mechanically he was doing something that right now is hurting him, but it will, um, it will like, how do I explain this? Right now, mechanically, he's doing something that uh, is not the best thing that he can possibly do. And we could correct that and he would see an immediate improvement in his scores. But if he kept doing the thing that he was doing, it would eventually lead him to having a specific skill set that is so incredibly important and quite possibly the most valuable thing that you can do, which is having world-level um, visual discipline. So a little bit more defined example of what's happening. The, the way that he was mounting the gun was causing his eyes to be really high off the barrel. 
And that's a bad thing right now because in shots that he doesn't trust, he'll see the gun, have more peripheral awareness, more barrel awareness, and he'll put the gun consciously in a place that looks right but isn't because of the differentiation between how high his eye is and where his gun is. So right now we can fix that. And in the shots that he doesn't trust, the conscious correction to put the gun in the right place won't be wrong. It'll be correct, and he'll hit it. So his scores will get better. But if we don't fix that right now, his scores, when he gets nervous and he tries to check the shot um, and correct the placement of the gun, his scores won't be good because it'll hurt him bad. But over time, as he develops the connectedness and the proprioceptive ability to move with a shotgun, um, he will learn to trust the shot. And because of the fact that the gun is so far below the center ocular part of his vision, he will learn to shoot incredibly proprioceptively without having to, to use the crutch of seeing the gun and putting it in a spot that makes sense. And so long-term, if we, if we allow this error in technique to exist, he will develop a much better ability to look at the bird. And if his mechanics get better later on, it, it will benefit him exponentially. If we fix the problem now, later on down the road, he's going to have that crutch of wanting to see the gun more because it's always close into the center ocular part of his vision. So it was, I'm, you know, you have to teach everybody different. So I'm making this an uh, assessment in my head. How do I want to approach teaching him? So I asked him what his goals were, because depending on what he wants out of the game, I would, I would explain to him the different pathways we can take and, uh, and let him choose. So I asked him what his goals were. And very frequently, when in a lesson or on a video call or just in conversation, when I ask somebody what their goals are, they will tell me something that they think I want to hear. I want to win a world championship or I want to win uh, the national championship or whatever it is. But really and truly, that's not what they want to accomplish. And sometimes they won't even realize that. And this uh, 14-year-old, without hesitation, listed his goals, very defined, very personalized, uh, and and it was awesome. And long story short, I gave him the ability. I explained the whole situation out really well and and with his uh, father there. And they both uh, told me that, you know, with the way that their goals were or that his goals were, he was willing to deal with that for now and for, uh, you know, the purpose of later on in the future, having that skill set. Uh, to be able to lean on and be able to trust shots better. And and that aligned with his goals and how he wanted to approach shooting the game. And at any time, if those changed, he could always, you know, we could come back and change that. So I was was incredibly proud of that young man. Um, And if you're listening right now, uh, you should feel proud because I'm I'm just, long story short, I'm just proud of you. Great job. Um, Another... A short little personal story. Not, I don't really actually tell any stories that are short. So I'm just gonna say another personal story. Um, 
a couple of years ago, back in 2016, I was teaching a clinic at uh, Caney Creek in outside of Dallas, Texas, the for about four weeks after the U.S. Open. And uh, they were each uh, week-long clinics. They were youth clinics. And um, so one of the ways that we start off the, the first day of the camp is that we have all of the kids write down what their goals are. And then uh, that way they can't cheat. And so they write them off and then, and then we read them off. So uh, we have generally anywhere from about 15 to 25 kids per camp for each week. So th this one was pretty big. There was about 25 kids. And we had them all write their goals down. They, they gave them to us. And we start looking through. And uh, uh, about 16 of them had the goal of wanting to win a world championship. So um, I asked them, I said, okay, guys, how many of you wrote down that you want to win a world championship? And all of them that did raised their hands. So I said, okay, it's important to understand what it would take to win a world championship if that's what you want your goal to be. Because if you don't understand what's involved in accomplishing that goal, then you may, number one, you may never accomplish it. Or in the path of trying to accomplish it, you may realize you just don't want it. It's not worth it to you. So I went through and to avoid, you know, sounding like I'm trying to be egotistical here, because I, I, I'm not, um, I went through and I explained to them, I was like, I have uh, won, and actually at that time I had not won a world championship, so I was like, here is, uh, I think I, I maybe used the example of winning a, a concurrent, so like age class a world championship, it's like I have won uh, one of those world championships, and um this is what I had to do when I was your age to do it. And I went through and I talked about all the things that I chose shooting over that would relate to them at that age. So like skipping all the school dances, uh, choosing practice and traveling for tournaments over, uh, you know, being able to go on a date with my girlfriend or not being able to get my driver's license for almost a year and a half later because all the classes that I needed for driver's ed always landed on dates of tournaments and I would have rather go to the tournament as opposed to get my driver's license as soon as possible. And, you know, go, you know, not being able to participate in any other school sports because every weekend and every, you know, opportunity that I got, I'd either be practicing or competing or whatever it was. I just went through and I listed everything and I went on in as much detail as possible as I could explain. So then I said, okay, now having heard that, how many of you, if that was required to accomplish that goal that 16 of you have, how many of you still want to accomplish that goal? How many of you still want that as your goal? And all but like two changed their minds. And, uh, I, again, I was proud of them for doing that because the what's so important here to understand about goal setting is that there is no right answer for what you want out of this game. I mentioned it earlier on about why you play, if it's, uh, you know, because you're a competitive person or because you like the socialization or because you do this game for work, whatever it is, 
what for whatever reason that you choose to do this, it's not the wrong answer. As a coach, every student that I have has a different reason for playing this game. And, and so I have to be able to understand their filter for it and then teach them in the way that will help them. For, and I mentioned this in many other podcast interviews, but for example, if I have a student that wants to win a world championship, I can't teach them or I shouldn't teach them the same way as I would teach a student that just wants to, to miss less and, and be less frustrated when they go out with their friends uh, every week just to shoot you know, the league course at their tournament, at their uh, local club. Because if I teach that person that wants to, uh, you know, win uh, a league t- team league event, the same way as I would teach a world champion, I, I would I would hurt that person's ability to, you know, th- they would not experience immediate success as quickly and easily as possible. And they would not be happy. They wouldn't enjoy the game because the things that they're trying to do are different and harder um, and literally designed to purposefully make it harder for you to to shoot so that way you build um, mechanical proprioceptive movement at a higher level than required so that way in two to three years from now when you're doing it, you're more efficient than somebody who didn't take learning that physical movement at the same approach. I couldn't teach that person the same because they wouldn't enjoy it. And it is not up to me or anybody else to put judgment or value on what is important to you. The only person that can determine what is important to you is you. And all goals and reasons for doing this game are equally valid and equally important across all metrics that you could measure to me and should be looked at that way to anybody else. And I want to make sure that in this podcast moving forward, when we start talking about those types of things in a community or group setting and are engaging with each other, that that we don't, uh, out of a basis of ego or embarrassment, change what we write down or submit as our goals or how we interact with each other uh, because of how we want somebody else to view what we're saying. Don't say you want to win a major championship or world championship because you want somebody else to look at you as being somebody that wants to do that. Um, uh, Because if you do that, you won't actually be working towards something that truly makes you happy. And uh, it, it, my hope with all of this is to be able to maximize the enjoyment that all of us get out of this game. And the only way to do that is to be able to use your filters and your uh, reasons for playing this game as the roadmap for how you measure success. Um, so I hope that I just explained that well enough, uh, and that you all get the point. And also that I hope that I did it in a way that, um, you know, didn't come across as having any, uh, judgment or anything based on anything, because I I really do want to stress, it is so important that we do this, 
um, uniquely and individually tailored to you um, because that's the best way to do it. That's the best way to find that success. And at the end of the day, it's going to be a lot of work to accomplish certain goals. And if you're working towards something that you don't really care about, that you're not really passionate about, you won't have the motivation to keep doing the things that are required to accomplish that. And you'll get lost along that journey because you won't find the willingness to put that input of work that's required into the whole process. And, and that pulls me right back into that story about those kids um, in Texas where, you know, it was important for me to get them to understand that filter because if they're at that week-long camp because of their decision to be there, then obviously it, to them, shooting is important. And they get enjoyment out of that game in whatever way they want to filter what that word means to them. And so if if they were to all try to win a world championship, then they're going to hit roadblocks of, well, I don't want to go practice. I'd rather go you know, hang out with my friends or uh, whatever whatever choice comes up in their life on their path to doing that. And then the level of discouragement that they'll get will be higher than it needs to be. And the worst thing that can happen is that you set the wrong goals. You don't accomplish them. You feel um, it'll force you to or cause you to feel uh, a lack of confidence in your abilities because you can't attain what you wrote down on paper and then it'll discourage you uh, from from playing the game and we don't want anybody to feel like we don't want anybody to feel that okay so we're gonna leave that at that and um, try to get into some personal examples from your submissions so now that we've gone through all of that and we've kind of addressed some of the, uh, you know, potential problems that can happen and kind of help restructure and organize some of your goals, let's get into the next category, which is important traits and skill sets. So I mentioned in uh, the intro to this episode that I would get a little bit more into what that meant uh, later on. And... Uh, that's what we're going to do first. What we mean by important traits and skill sets is essentially what types of things are going to be important to understand about yourself in order to put together a plan that best suits you. The first question you need to ask yourself about this is how do I find out all of the information about myself so that I can go forward in doing that? I have uh, done a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of research in this for my own personal um, uh, benefit in trying to understand more about myself to know um, how to do all this as I, you know, have gone through my career. And um, there's a couple things that I recommend doing. The well, really, there's kind of one thing I recommend doing, um, and that is essentially to go through the process of doing different personality tests to objectively measure 
kind of in a holistic sense, who you are and how you work. I have personally found that the most beneficial test that you can take is called the Big Five Personality Test. The way that that kind of breaks down and structures and puts together in a presentable form uh, who you are as a person is really easily understandable uh, and and makes it easy to put in a, into something that you can apply towards doing all the things that we're going to be doing in the future in this podcast. Um, as far as where to find the Big Five Personality Test, uh, and I really seriously would recommend everybody that's listening to this, go do that because the information you get from it is invaluable. There are both fr- free versions all over the internet to do, and there's uh, some that you can pay for that have a little bit more information. The best free version of a Big Five personality test that you can take is on uh, the Truity website. So it's T-R-U-I-T-Y. If you just Google search Big Five personality test, um, you'll see a, a link with the, on that website, and that's the one you can take. After you take that, you can also decide if you want to pay for it, um, uh, and they'll get, they will give you more information. But it's not as good as what I found to be the best version of the Big Five Personality Test, which is actually just called, uh, it's a website called Understand Myself, um, and it's a like a side uh, shoot business owned by uh, a psychologist uh, named Jordan Peterson. He's got a podcast and a bunch of other stuff, and um, I, I know that actually a lot of people in the shooting industry, based off of their um, just information that he talks about a lot, he seems to be a fairly uh, imp- uh, popular uh, public figure, um, so you may know of him already. But that his version of the Big Five personality test is the one that I found to be the best. That one, you do have to pay for. It costs $9.95. Again, I would highly recommend for the cost of one box of shells, you can get more valuable information really than anybody can teach you because it gives you a filter to understand how to do everything. Um, the uh, So seriously, go do one of those things because we will pull that information and use it every single you'll you will use it on uh, outside of getting better at shooting you'll use that every day um but i want to just real quickly go over some of the things that you'll find out about yourself uh when you do this so the uh and i'm only going to filter that through some of the important things that are important that that can be used um to build a plan to accomplish your goals in shooting so there are five different categories in the big five personality test um, they are agreeableness, conscientiousness, extroversion, neuroticism, and openness to experience. Um, agreeableness essentially kind of measures how you interact socially with people. That's not super important to understanding how to build a plan to shoot better. Um, so I don't need to go through that. Conscientiousness essentially measures your impulsivity and uh, how well you and how much you like organization. Within conscientiousness, there are two subcategories. One is industriousness, that essentially measures your procrastination and what type of things motivate you. So you can understand, you know, um, that would be important to understand 
about you so that you know, okay, well, what's my, you know, probability that uh, how often do I procrastinate? And if, and if you understand that about yourself, you're going to be able to um, build a structured plan around, uh, you know, minimizing the impact of how much you procrastinate on being able to actually accomplish these things in terms of what type of things motivate you again that will help you understand how do i what types of things do i need to include in my plan so that it actually excites me to follow through with it um the next uh subcategory for conscientiousness is orderliness uh that basically measures a couple of things like Again, it does more than this, but I'm just talking about the things that are important for shooting. But basically, in orderliness, you have things like uh, uh, how much do you gravitate towards routine? How well you follow through on plans? How much uh, disruption in your schedule will negatively impact you? Again, very, very important to understand in putting together a, a routine and a plan for a tournament. Because let's say that, uh, you know, if you know how much of a routine you like to have in your day-to-day -day life, that's going to help you build a plan that doesn't totally put you off to actually even going through with it because it feels too structured. Um, uh, how well you actually follow through on plans, if you know that about yourself. And, and you can actually get measurable data on that. You know, I know a lot of these things are things that if you're a self-aware person, you already know. But it does help to go through and understand this and get an objective opinion on you. Um, but as, if, you know, if you find out that, you know, you're not somebody who has a, a propensity to follow through on plans really well, again, you would, you would be able to build your shooting plan <laughs> to uh, be structured in a way so that, it's easier for you to follow through on. How would you do that? Figure out what types of things motivate you and excite you and get you to do do extra work and input effort and then you know incorporate that into your plan. Um, in terms of how much disrupting your schedule negatively influences you, that'd be important to understand because if you know that a big disruption in your schedule or plan really negatively influences your emotions and your, uh, your presence, then you're, it will allow you to put more effort into making sure that your plan and structure and schedule during the times that you actually need to, uh, you know, perform really well on a tournament, um, uh, you'll, you'll be able to avoid um, any possibility of that type of disruption by either being very heavily detailed in your plan and, and structure and schedule or... Um, you know, by uh, trying to predict things that can happen and be prepared for them. The next category, extroversion. That's one that a lot of people already know about. Basically, that's measuring your sociability and how much interacting with people influences your energy levels. Within extroversion, you're going to look at enthusiasm and assertiveness. Um, as far as enthusiasm goes, that measures your positivity and optimism and your excitability. Um, that would be important to understand uh, through the filter of making a, a plan for your shooting and, and all the different moments in time that your plan in, incorporates into it. Um, because you're going to look at like, okay, well... Uh, if I trend towards being a negative person that's not very optimistic, 
what types of things can I do during an event or during my practice or before or after my practice or events in order to, to mitigate the negative impact of those types of thoughts. Um, as far as assertiveness goes, that really measures your impulsiveness. So, um, you know, being an impulsive person is somebody that doesn't really think through decision-making processes and understand like, oh, if I just go and do this, what type of things are going to unfold after I go do that? That's going to be important, uh, really, really important uh, in the future. Going back to the main category of extroversion, that in itself is incredibly important to understand about yourself because if you know that a high level of social interaction drains your energy, then you're going to be able to schedule or plan how you go to compete in events so that you're managing that. For me personally, that's a big one. I'm an extroverted introvert. So I really, really love social interaction. I love to talk to people. But the problem with that is that that hugely drains my energy. And when my energy is drained, then I, it is very hard for me to focus and compete and have the, um, the energy and motivation to put forth the work that I need to put together a good performance at a match. Um, likewise, if you're the opposite uh, and interaction with people engages you and energizes you, then you'll know, okay, maybe I should kind of try to plan that into my routines uh, and schedules at tournaments. I want to be, you know, interacting with people and be on a specific type of squad that, you know, that is very social while we shoot, um, that type of stuff. Uh, the next one is neuroticism. I always laugh at this because a lot of people totally misinterpret what this means. It has nothing to do with being a neurotic person. Um, it basically measures your sensibility to negative emotions. So inside of neuroticism, we have uh, uh, withdrawal and vo uh, volatility. So withdrawal would basically measure your response to anxiety and the intensity that you experience negative emotions. Very important because if you understand that you rank on a scale, that means that you um, uh, hugely experience and, and uh, react to predictable anxiety uh, uh, like you you are um, thinking in the future about something that's about to happen and it, and it makes you anxious and that is amplified because of the way that your personality works um, and and you also experience negative emotions very intensely you're going to want to put into things like let's say your pre-shot routine or your in-event routine you're going to want to do things to keep your thought process present so that you're not allowing your thoughts to drift into oh you know i'm sitting in uh, you know saturday night again and i'm about ready to win this and what happens if i don't oh my god you know like that kind of thing is going to hugely influence your ability to perform very very important in terms of volatility, that measures your, the stability and predictability of your mood and emotions. Again, if you're somebody who is really high in volatility of, a, of your neurotic, you know, in the neuroticism category, that would mean that, you know, very quickly your moods can change um, and uh, they can be very, very intense and they can go from very positive to very negative very quickly. 
that would be important to understand because if you know that about yourself, then you can try to manage and um, control your external environment so that you're not having these uh, like any type of stimulus that is going to force you into thinking badly or giving you a bad experience. You know, if you combine somebody that's high in volatility with somebody that is, uh, you know, really uh, high in orderliness, so that would be somebody that um, whose moods can change very quickly and experience intense emotions with a high level of the withdrawal category with somebody who needs a lot of orderliness in their schedule and uh, a disruption in their routine negatively influences them, then literally just an unplanned event at a tournament that changes your schedule can totally ruin your event. And if you know that about yourself, you can make sure that that type of thing doesn't happen. Trying to limit... Uh, and manage unpredictable things that are out of your control from influencing the, your ability to have the result that you want. Incredibly important. Um, then that last quarter category of openness to experience, that uh, measures your uh, like spontaneity and um, how much you gravitate towards having a routine structure. Inside of openness, you have, again, two subcategories. One is intellect and the other one is openness. <laughs> That's kind of weird. Um, but um, the, as far as intellect goes, you don't want to confuse that with like your cognitive ability or IQ. Um, intellect is just the word that they use to describe that, um, uh, to define this category. And basically, it measures your cu curiosity and uh, how exploratory that you are in your thoughts um, and essentially your interest in abstract ideas. Why would that possibly be something that we would want to know about ourselves through the filter of getting better at shooting? Um, great question. Really interesting answer. If you are somebody that, ha that ranks very high in the intellect category of openness and you really are a very curious person and you love to explore new ideas... Um, that would hugely influence how you should plan your practicing. Why? Because um, somebody that has a mindset like that would really enjoy and benefit from and learn a lot from a type of practice that would um, be structured in a way that isn't about huge amounts of routine and execution of repetition and quantity, but instead is more about exploring what their limitations and capabilities are in testing. You know, like if I try to shoot a target faster and faster and faster, how does that influence uh, my emotional state when I call pull? And how, how does my emotional state influence my physical ability to make a specific mechanic happen? And how does that emotional state and physical state influence the ability that I have to, to use my eyes in a specific way? Do they get really jumpy when I get anxious because I'm trying to shoot very fast and then I lose the bird off the arm? Or what type of emphasis do I need to put on you know, how focused and calm and relaxed I need to be with certain things. And, and then, you know, like verse uh, an approach to practice of I'm going to go shoot, uh, you know, do a grid style practice where I'm starting at a 25 yard crossing bird. I'm going to shoot 10 in a row, step back, shoot 10 in a row, step back, shoot 10 in a row. Um, two totally different approaches to practice. One would greatly lend itself 
to a specific type of personality more than the other. Um, and when it comes to practices like that, somebody who is very low in, intel- in openness intellect, not IQ, somebody who's very low in that would not really get much of anything out of a practice that would be very exploratory in its focus because they would not really understand what they're accomplishing and they wouldn't, you know, uh, gravitate towards the abstract, abstract style of thinking that would allow them to actually learn anything from that. Instead, they would kind of feel like it was a waste. Whereas somebody that was high in openness intellect by going through a practice routine like that would come out of it having a huge amount of information that they could then use in a tournament where, they'd be able to apply certain uh, inf- uh, certain amounts of that information to their decision-making and how they approach it, uh, a specific pair to, to limit, um, you know, the possibility that they're going to miss even though that they know what to do and can execute perfectly, that type of stuff. Um, as far as the openness category of openness goes, uh, that measures how drawn to creativity you are. This is kind of uh, one that I'm kind of stretching a little bit to understand, uh, to explain how that uh, connects to and is important in building a plan to accomplish your shooting goals. But um, I am very high in openness, and I know that this personally uh, really influences uh, success a successful result for me, so I do want to talk about it. If you are high in openness, that means that you really gravitate towards art and beautiful things, and um, uh, like you would really, really appreciate a beautiful view, or you would really, really be influenced emotionally by a, a great song, um, and or like. Um, you know, you actually people high in openness uh, have a, a, a very specific eye for like architectural things and um, subtle changes in the way that things look. So why would that be important? Well, as dumb as this sounds, it is actually very, very influential on a round. And I can speak from experience. When I go to a tournament, if I am staying, <laughs> this sounds crazy to talk about in a podcast, but if I'm, let's say I'm staying at like a hotel that's really, really ugly and the, and the tournament is at a club that is very, very plain, no terrain, boring looking trees, um, a bunch of stuff, just basically nothing that I have that externally influences my mood, um, I can, uh, that influences my ability to focus. I'm, I'll, I'll give a specific example, two specific examples. Um, and I'm, I'm, I don't mean any insult to the people that are involved in these places because it is totally a personality thing that it involves only me, nothing about them. There are two places in the United States that I have a very hard time performing well at. Again, no uh, insult to these people. One is the, is the National Shooting Complex, and the other is Coyote Springs. Why? Because when I go to Nationals, the course itself is a straight road with every um, single station on one straight road. All four courses combined into one. The stands are PVC pipes. 
Um, and the, uh, you know, the trash cans are all beat up. Um, and the, <laughs> this sounds so mean, but it's not, it's just h- how I perceive things. Um, and there's no terrain. When I go to, uh, you know, Arizona to shoot at Coyote Springs, it's j- it's a desert with, with a bunch of small bushes and, there are some people that personally love that type of view and they love that experience. For me, I, number one, I should say, I very much appreciate all the work put in by those people and everything that work those events and everything like that. But what happens to me is that the way that I see things around me uh, as I'm shooting, it doesn't excite me. I get, I, I, I get the feeling of, I don't really want to be here, not because the shoot is bad or anything like that, but just because I need to, I want to be stimulated by a gorgeous, uh, a tree or, um, you know, a nice view and stuff like that. And I'm energized by those things. So if I know that about my personality, then I can say, okay, well, what other types of things make me feel that way and give me energy and make and help me stay positive? If I can't get that from the scenery of the club or the way that the course is laid out or the way that the targets are, you know, literally this, this sounds insane, but for me, I know other people will not be able to relate to this at all, uh, because you're not, you're not high in openness and the, um, uh, these, your, your, your grades on these traits there is no better or worse. It just is. So this is not saying that I'm better than you because I'm high in openness. It's not the case. There's actually really obviously, as you can hear, a lot of disadvantages to being high in openness. I, I, I rank in the 99th percentile of openness. So like basically maxed out. Um, when a, If I'm shooting a course where the targets, some of you won't even relate to this sentence, where the targets are ugly... <laughs> That sounds so dumb. But if I'm shooting a course where the targets are ugly, it's hard for me to focus. Like if, if, uh, but if I go to a, and I'm shooting a course where the lines of the targets are beautifully matched to the background where they, you know, they mimic the, the terrain or they sculpt the line of the canopy of the trees or they're, you know, that kind of stuff. Like I walk up to a stage and I look at the, at the pair. I'm like, God, that is a, that, wow, that's my reaction. And, um, and it makes me want to work hard because of just literally the, the focus that I get from it. Um, so if I'm not going to get that from what I have to work with, then I need to manually input that into what I'm experiencing. And I can do that with music or, or whatever it is. Um, so going through and learning this about yourself and understanding all of this uh, basically defines a lot of undefined and unknown variables that influence your performance that are, that go unnoticed because they're not things that we talk about when we're talking about trying to go and shooting to shoot well. Um, you know, when, when you hear a professional athlete talking about, 
you know, what you need to do to shoot good at a tournament. You need to have a practice. You need to focus on this. You need a pre-shot routine. Yeah, that's great. Well, the problem is I can go and do all those measurable things exactly the same with 100% effort and focus in them. But why, why do I feel different at every tournament that I go to? And why do does it feel like I have a different level of focus that's accessible to me every time that I go to shoot when I feel like I'm doing all the same things. I have the same sleep schedule, the same um, this the same uh, nutritional plan, the same workout routine, all these things. Like, uh, man, everything I'm doing is the same. Why am I f- experiencing these things different? Why? Because of this stuff. This is the this is the un the normally unmeasured metrics that influence your shooting. And if you really want to make sure that you accomplish your goals, these are the things that, strangely enough, we need to look at. Um, the uh, is. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. We'll pull that kind of stuff in later on in the podcast um, to talk more about those individual things. And if you have questions on that stuff or you just think I'm just absolutely lost my mind, (laughs) then you let me know. But I'm telling you, it's my job to teach people how to get better. And I know that this makes a difference, both personally and from teaching students this kind of stuff. Um, Okay, so... Next question, what do I need to know about myself or be able to do in order to accomplish my goals? The things that we need to to look for once we do that test and we get that information are what personality traits and trends uh, will lend towards my ability to accomplish my goals and then what personality traits and trends will detract from my ability to accomplish my goals. If you, you know, like it's very easy to see what in just some of the random examples that I talked about there, what things will hurt you or help you in whether that be in the actual the actual test of the performance that you're at, you know, like the tournament that you're at, um, what types of personality traits and characteristics help me during a match and which ones hurt me, but also which traits and trends of my personality and, uh, uh, the assets that I have in my life, like fine, uh, my, the money that I have, the time that I have, the support that I have from my friends and family. Um, also we want to, we want to look at how much, those things or which traits and characteristics in the of those things will hurt or help my ability to follow my plan and which of those traits and characteristics are going to help or hurt my ability to build a plan um and if you have if you take those things into consideration when you're putting all of this together you you really will be able to personally tailor a bespoke plan and and uh you know uh, detailed and structured approach to accomplishing your goals um, better than any other approach. And again, I fully recognize how 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 hard it may sound listening to all this that it would be to be able to to go through and actually do it. Um, that was probably the worst 
structured sentence in the history of the English language, <laughs> but I think you know what I mean. Uh, so um, if you're listening to this, I'm giving you 100%. I'm talking about at the most detailed level, what do we have to do? Because there will be some of you listening to this who you're, you're a realistic goal for you may be that you want to win a world championship overall this year. If that's the case, I really hope that you don't listen to my podcast because I want to win one. No, I'm just kidding. If that's the case, this is the level of detail you're going to have to get into to be able to accomplish that. If that's nowhere near the level of intensity that your goals are, then will you have to do all of this stuff? No. Will it help? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you can pick and choose the types of things that you're wanting to do and the types of things that you're wanting to incorporate. Um, but, you know, and depending on your personality, if and when you do this type of thing um, and you find out how much of a, how much of a structured routine do you like, um, you know, you may base how much information that I'm giving you that you're going to use off of how structured of a plan do you want to build. Whatever it is that you use, by all means, I'm all for it. Uh, so apart from that, um, you're also going to need to know, like I said, of your financial ability and the, the, the availability of time and the commitment to other things in your life that you already have. Once you have that, it gives you the full spectrum of a picture of how are you going to be able to put this together and uh, and then actually follow it because that's the goal we don't just want to you know put something on paper that looks awesome and is, and you can be proud of but you want to be able to actually execute all the steps of this um then lastly why do i need to understand what traits and skill sets are important to accomplish my goals if i didn't already answer that for you in my explanation of all those things then the short answer for that is that you need to be able to understand what traits and skill sets are important to accomplish your goals because if you don't, you're going to get lost in trying to do it. If you don't know what's important to do everything that you want to do, then you're, you just won't be able to navigate the complexity of the path ahead of you to be able to get there. And maybe accidentally you'll get there uh, you know, in spite of doing it the wrong way. And that's happened to me too. Um, but if you want to for sure give the best shot you can, you need the best shot you can to accomplishing these things, you do need to understand this stuff about yourself. So you can, number one, build a plan that works for you that doesn't feel like work, that incorporates the types of things that motivate you into the plan so that you actually want to do it instead of feeling like, man, I got to go do this again because it's part of my plan and I want to accomplish that thing a lot, but I don't want to do any of this stuff. Um, th that's, that's why. Very, very important. Um, okay, so I think what I'm going to do to just give you an example of how this works, I'm going to give you... I'm going to I'm going to take one of my product goals and I am going to break it apart in a way that um that that takes all of this into account 
and puts it in a format that you can understand how to apply all this stuff. But I'm not going to do that until you do it first. <laughs> not that I don't have it already, but again, I mentioned this in my last podcast, uh, the episode one of the journey, that I believe in having you try to figure things out first, and it's okay if you mess it up, but then coming back to the table after having attempted to do it, and then at that point, being uh, get given the formula to do it correctly and looking at what what happened correctly and what was put down incorrectly and then learning from that and then rebuilding it in a way that makes sense because otherwise I don't want you guys copy and paste copying and pasting the structure of my goals and plans because I I want to make sure that the way that you do it is truly through your own filter because that's the best way to guarantee success. So in uh, in the next episode, I will be releasing that. I'll talk you through it at the end of the month. Um, the, I should say at the next recorded episode, I'll do it at the end of the month. Um, but uh, until then, we're going to, as a team, work together to build it all up for you guys personally and uh, do that throughout the YouTube lives and stuff like that. So cool. Sounds good. Um, let's get into, I guess, the next category. Self-analysis and self-assessment. Um, this is not going to take very long to get through because I kind of talked a lot about it in the one we just covered. So we're going to run through it kind of quick. But again, keep in mind, we're going to be pulling this as a main focus of everything that we do going forward for the rest of the year. So first question under this category is, why is it important to be self-aware? Very simple answer. It's important to be self-aware. So uh, in this first answer, that not simple answer. I lied to you. <laughs> so... It's important to be self-aware through the filter of making a plan because if you understand what things uh, get in the way of you accomplishing that and what things turn you off to uh, going through with your plan, then you will be able to build a plan that is easy for you to pro progress through which lends towards the highest probability of you accomplishing your goals. I have said that statement so much in this podcast. I know you're going to hate hearing it, but it's true. Um, why is it important to be self-aware through the filter of your shooting? Because being self-aware of your strengths and weaknesses in your mechanical abilities and techniques, in your uh, physical limitations and strengths, and in your visual limitations and strengths, and in your emotional limitations and strengths will help you come in real time, have the best strategy in terms of your plan making for how to approach every presentation at every station or task peg or whatever that you come across. If you don't know what you're good and bad at in terms of your ability to shoot, 
then you may make a plan that incorporates something that is the worst thing that you can do and your ability to actually execute it the way you planned is going to be very, very low. So you might have a great plan but terrible execution every time that you call pull. We, we, and it may be a better plan than a plan that you can put together using things that you're good at doing, but the thing that you can do that you're good at is going to net you a better result than the thing that you can't do. So that's why it's important to be uh, self-aware through those two filters. Um, why do you, uh, what do you need to be self-aware about? Take the whole th the whole last category that I just talked about. All of that you you need to, or you at least should be self aware of of as much about you and your personality as possible. But you also need to be self aware about what I just said uh, in terms of your uh, strengths and weaknesses of your mechanical and technical abilities in shooting. You need to be self aware of your emotional state in the current moment. Um, you need to be self-aware of how good your eyes are working and and how it, not just in terms of clarity and definition, but in terms of the muscular movement of your eyes. Um, I'm just going to give you a little quick scenario, okay? Let's say that you are one station away from winning something that is your goal at the end of the year, okay? Um, and the pair is... A, uh, a full spring quartering out edgy bird that, that where the target sits right next to you and has a little curl uh, like it, let's say it's a right to left bird it starts on the right right next to you full spring and edgy and it's quartering out and right when it gets to about the center of of the field in front of you like in terms of uh, horizontally not in distance, but just left to right, that it's leaned a little bit to the right so it comes out real fast and then curls back to the right. Um, and the second bird is a, a report pair, and the second bird is a, a, a no-spring flopper sitting at 45 yards that doesn't go really anywhere. But your break point for the first bird is about 20 feet up in the air, uh, or let's say 15 feet up in the air, and that second bird doesn't go any higher than about five to six feet. Okay. Um, let's say that you are not a self-aware person. You, but... And in both scenarios that I'm about to give, you as the shooter understand that if you run this station, you accomplish the goal that you've worked towards for the whole year. Um, so first scenario, not a self-aware person. You are obviously, because you know the situation that you're in, you're nervous um, and, and we'll just leave it at that. You're really, really nervous, a lot of anxiety, adrenaline rushing, okay? The first bird is 
going to look really, really, really fast because it's close to you. It, the, uh, the trap is sitting right next to you and um, it quarters away. So it, it covers a huge amount of, of two-dimensional space in your field of view very, very fast, faster than any other bird I can think of. That's why I came up with that target. And, uh, but you can't shoot it in, at, in the part of the line that that's the case. So you're going to shoot it closer towards center of the field, like as it's starting to change directions again. And, and at that point, it's no longer like quartering. It's more like outgoing. Um, if you're really amped up, you not only don't have good physical control of your body, but also you don't have good um, uh, mental control of your thoughts or emotional control of what you're feeling. And you don't have, because of those things, you don't have a calm state of mind emotionally and physically to where your eyes are going to be able to move very smoothly and calmly, okay? So you're gonna call pull, the bird's going to come out. It's going to look super fast. You're going to respond to that uh, with a, a little snappy hand movement, where, and your eyes are going to have a really hard time connecting to the bird, and your hands are just going to fly over there, but by the time that you get to your break point, the bird literally basically is, uh, is not moving at all. It's moving 100% in the direction straight away from you, but it's moving 0% in any other direction. And guess what? Physically with a shotgun, there is no technique or movement that would connect to a bird just going in or out. We only get to move with a bird in two dimensions. So um, that fast, amped up energy that you have is going to translate to you pulling the gun off the line in some direction. And you're not going to see it very well. So you're going to make that little snappy move, bang, and then the, the, uh, the second bird is going to have no spring coming out directly under your gun where you're, because of your first break point, you've totally occluded, uh, and everybody would, have uh, totally occluded that second bird. So uh, because you know that the bird came out because you can hear it, uh, but you can't see it, you uh, have a little uh, additional adrenaline spike and you throw the gun down to be able to see under the gun and you overcorrect in that, you get underneath the bird and then because you threw the gun down, the gun is off your face but in your shoulder. So to get back in, you lean and lunge forward as you push the gun up with your hands and you have a huge physical movement with the target on a, uh, with the gun on a target that is has no spring and so then you shoot off the line and miss that the uh, trying to replicate that pair with perfect mechanics and execution four times in a row to win your goal um the probability that you're going to run that station is basically zero <laughs> okay but let's say you are a self-aware person and in your planning, you recognize that you are incredibly amped up because of what you know about your situation and the score and being able to accomplish your goal. And you know that you're experiencing a lot of adrenaline. You know that you don't have control of your hands and you know that your eyes have a, have, are, are, like, are very reactive instead of controllable right now. And so when you see something fast, you recognize that your eyes jump instead of smoothly connect. And you recognize that you don't have good 
uh, physical control of your body because of all the adrenaline. You feel a little shaky. And you recognize the fact that all of these things combined lend towards this bird uh, or this pair being very, very difficult. So what could you do? In your, in your pre-shot routine, before every time that you call pull, you could put a huge emphasis on physically decompressing anxiety and tension. You could put, uh, as you set up your hold point, you could make a decision strategy-wise of maybe purposefully holding a little further out so you don't have so much movement in your hands that would cause you to feel like you're gonna get beat because the bird's closing in on you so fast. Um, and your and your eyes would snap out, uh, and your hands would make a little snappy move, and then you would miss. So you know that there's a high probability of that happening. So instead, what you do have a little bit further out hold point, have a little bit further out uh, focal point, and you know to consciously tell yourself that hey, when I call pull, this bird is going to be coming out super fast. Don't react to that. I know you want to, but don't. Uh, because if you do, it'll be bad. So just let it come because the way that the angles work on this bird, by the time it gets to my break point, it will have no movement. So I can be nice and calm. Uh, I can have nice, slow movement, very minimal movement. And, um, and so then as you set up and you, and you put your eyes on your focal point, you know, to put an emphasis on giving yourself just a little bit extra time to let your eyes settle take a nice deep breath and relax, you call pull, and you make the move, and uh, and then you know that because you don't have very good control of your body right now, that you're gonna, again, move very fast and jumpy, and the, the second bird requires the complete opposite of that. So you say, okay, I can't try to connect to that one because I don't have the physical ability to make a movement with that much precision in that at that speed and in that small amount of space that the line of the bird is giving me so i know that all my coach uh, that my coach teaches me it's important to make a connection on every bird but i also know if i try to make a connection on this bird because of the way i feel and see and think right now my connection will be too much movement and it'll cause me to miss off the line so instead after i shoot that first bird I'm just going to move my gun to directly under the apex of where I mark that point, and I'm going to let my eyes go back to the trap, and I'm just going to watch the bird without moving. I'm going to watch the bird hit the apex. Right when it stalls out, I'm going to pull the trigger with no movement, and uh, and then uh, and then hopefully you know break as many as possible. That is the difference between being self-aware while you're shooting and being not self-aware when you're shooting. The thing to know is that both people are the same people. They have the same uh, mechanical skill sets. They have the same uh, understanding of the ability to read the bird. The difference is that the one person, the first person in that scenario is going to miss targets, not because they can't hit them, but because they made the wrong choice on how to try to hit them. The second person is going to avoid that mistake as much as possible, not because they're a better shooter, but because they decided to, to have a better application of, of specific mechanics and plans and thoughts and processes to avoid what their real-time current limitations were. Self-awareness is huge, and those are the types of things that you need to be self-aware about. Um, 
the uh, next question in this would be, how do I run self-analysis? So this, this category is self-analysis and self-assessment, two different things. Um, and I, I would say a self-assessment lends itself more towards the self-awareness aspect. A self-analysis is an analysis of yourself to understand the current strengths and weaknesses of all the different categories. So how do you run a self-analysis? You can run, I mean, that personality test could be considered a self-analysis, and I would consider it that in terms of your personality. Um, and that's kind of like a, a self-analysis for, uh, you know, a much longer amount of time. When you run a personality test, uh, if you run one every year, if you do that big five personality test every year, you know, you'll get slightly different results because people's personalities are influenced over time and experience. Um, but uh, uh, generally, it doesn't change that much. But a self-analysis of your shooting changes every day. So the way to run a self-analysis of your shooting to understand the strengths and weaknesses of your shooting um, is the one that I offer you is on my website. I call it the shoot analysis sheet and you can go to my website. It's completely free. It takes you about five to 10 minutes uh, depending on um, how much you've done it and, and you understand the questions more and you don't have to think so, so heavily through them. But it takes you five to 10 minutes, max of 15 minutes, completely free. And you answer a bunch of questions, input your scorecard information, and uh, uh, and then subjectively grade the difficulty of the stations. And then um, in about three to five minutes, you get an email with a PDF. I, I want to say it's like, uh, I don't know, 13 pages of a PDF. But the last few pages are basically just meant to show your comments so there may be like five or so pages of information uh that that tells you uh, puts all those answers through a bunch of different formulas and equations and tells you you know here's your lowest hanging fruit this is how much you can do or this is what you could do to um you know improve that this is how much it negatively influenced your score all that kind of stuff um if you want to know more about that you can go to the journey podcast youtube channel and you can watch the video that i have specifically on that shoot analysis sheet but um i don't want to waste time in the podcast to talk about it now because i recognize like a lot of people are not like me and they like shorter podcasts and I'm always going to have longer podcasts, which is why I have, as mentioned earlier, the timestamps of all the important categories in here for you to skip around in and listen to, you know, throughout the week. Um, but uh, no need to add that. So the important things to know about the self-analysis uh, and the shoot analysis sheet is that it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to wait for me to input the results and email you back. It's all automated, and you and I would recommend doing it um, for every tournament round that you shoot. Uh, I, I mean, literally, if you have a day in a tournament that you're at where in the morning you have a five-stand event, in the around the afternoon, you know, around noon, you shoot a fee task event, and in the afternoon, you are on the last rotation of the main sporting clays event. Um, 
before you shoot fee task, fill it out for your five stand. Before you shoot the main event, fill it out for your fee task and use what it gives you to help you be self-aware about those things in the next round. And I go more into detail on that on, on my website in that video. So um, look for that. Um, the uh, last question here is, uh, what do I use the information that I gain from this for? Hopefully, in everything I just said, that I've answered that question. If I have not answered that question, there's a 50-50 shot that I rambled way too much that I lost you, which is my fault, or that you didn't pay attention, which is still my fault because I'm not interesting enough to hold your attention. So don't worry about that. Um, and uh, participate in the YouTube lives, and you'll start to learn more about this. Um, Cool. So there's the self-analysis and self-assessment category. Let's get into building a plan. The first question uh, under building a plan is how do I build a plan? Um, I, I need to preface this whole category with the same way that I prefaced the last category of self-analysis and self-assessment by saying that um, the the real answers to all of these questions are the podcast for the remainder of the year. So I'm not going to get into huge amounts of detail now, both to save time, but also because we will go so much in depth with this that basically this podcast is just a summary so that you can try to start doing this on your own. And I would encourage you to do this on your own before we get into it. That way we can take what you have and modify it and make it better. Um, so how do I build a plan? In order to build a plan to accomplish your goals, you have to take everything that we just talked about in this episode and put it together in one streamlined thing. So the first thing that you do is you take your goals and, and you dissect your product. You just list the product goals, the, the things that you want to accomplish by the end of the year, and then you put um, your process goals under each one of those. You say, okay, here's my product goal for the end of the year process goals for that would be what types of things can I do continuously to help me accomplish that end result product goal? There's your process goals. After that, you put you input your um, stepping stone goals. So you would want to say, okay, what other types of things can I accomplish or do that would help me gain experience to uh, that would lend uh, lend me uh, 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 knowledge that would help me accomplish my product goal. There's your uh, stepping stone goals. After that, you want to you want to run, uh, or I always say that run, but you you want to do a personality test. I know there's going to be a lot of you that are listening that I'm like I'm not going to do that. I can skip that step. Don't skip that step. It's more important than than even putting together process and stepping stone goals. Um, because without doing a personality test, you don't know how to structure anything else uh, in your plan in a way that works for you. You'll be able to put together a plan, but there'll be parts of your plan that are that's like, 
you know, polarizing to your personality and it will prevent you from doing it or at least doing it well. So do a personality test and learn the about yourself. Learn how, uh, what things you gravitate towards, what things give you energy, what things detract from the energy you have, what things help you stay focused, what things take away your focus, what things influence your mood, what thing uh, negatively and positively. And then, um, uh, how easily does that mood change? How easily does your focus get lost? Um, how much do you like structure? How much do you dislike structure? Learn about your personality so that you can put together a plan that works. Once you learn about your personality, go back to your goals. Now that you have your main goal, your process goals, and your stepping stone goals for each one of your product goals, and for every bullet point that you have there, ask your, uh, you could start by doing this. For every bullet point that you have there, um, categorize all the, stre- all the traits of your personality into strengths and weaknesses. Under every one of those process, and product, uh, process goals and stepping stone goals, uh, have a negative category uh, list and a positive category list where you just put in what traits of your p- personality are going to help you with that goal or process and which ones are going to hurt you. The, you will find that some goals, personality traits that help you, in other goals will be the personalities traits that hurt you. How do you manage that? You got to think critically, and we'll talk about that later on. But that's what you want to do. You want to you want to know um, what parts of you and how will the way that you think and operate and live day to day influence your ability to um, uh, accomplish those things. Once you have those thing, those different personality traits in those different categories, uh, under each one of those points in your process and stepping stone goals. Then what you want to do is say, okay, read that goal or that process goal and say, what can I do and what will I need to have that I don't have in order to accomplish this? Things that you can do will be like, you know, if one of them is I need to be able to be able to stay focused at a tournament. And, and uh, if that's somewhere in there, something like that, what can I do to do that? Well, go back to your personality and look at what types of things take from my focus. Okay, I need to avoid those things. I need to, I need to emphasize and focus on the things that give me focus during tournaments. Put that in there. Then build a routine for yourself at tournaments to follow that help you do that. Um, if one of them is going to be like have a weekly uh, practice routine um, out at a gun club, what can I do and what do I need to be able to, to accomplish that? Well, what I can do is put together a schedule so I make sure that by the end of the week, I didn't accidentally not find time to do it. I can also put together a little part of a savings account to make sure that I have the money to be able to do that and to make sure that I have financial goals that allow me to stay focused and keep on track with my shooting goals, um, that kind of stuff. That's how uh, you, you build a plan to, to work all that kind of stuff um, and to make sure that it happens. After you do all that, then in, 
in the parts of your goals, processes, and product goals. When I say goals, I've a lot of times just recently meant stepping stone goals. So uh, in all of that, you will find where you should insert little moments of just an analysis or self-assessment to understand how to keep yourself on track. So, um, you know, let's say that you have practices scheduled in your plan because that answer, uh, putting them in there answered the question of how can I accomplish this when you read one of your process or product goals. Um, Then you can say, okay, well, Having a practice is great, but I need to know what to practice. So in order for me to understand what to practice, I need to have an objective analysis of what I'm currently not doing well with. So uh, input self-analyses in there. And then um, after you have all that, now you have a plan. You have a, at least I should say, you have as much of a plan as I want to talk about right now because later on we'll learn to get more in depth and do all that stuff. And I'll actually go through and do it with you and we can, you know, as a community build that up. But that is the skeletonized version of what a plan is to accomplish your goals. Um, the I realize that in answering that question, I'm not telling you exactly Uh, I'm not giving you exam, I'm not, uh, how should I say it? I'm not giving you the answer to the question. I'm giving you a filter question to use to get yourself an answer to the question. But I have to do that because I'm not giving you your goals. You're assigning your own goals and you're assigning your own process goals and stepping stone goals. And so it's not possible for me to give you an answer to that question. You have to find the answer to that question. And the way to do it is to use specific questions to ask yourself to be able to fill in that information. That's where we're going to get Uh, more in depth later on down the road for the rest of the year and finding out that kind of stuff, learning how to get to it, learning how to uh, self-assess more efficiently and stuff like that. So there's all those things. Um, The uh, what do I need to include in a plan so that it leads me to accomplishing my goals? All of that information plus you need to uh, take what you got back from that personality test in terms of the uh, type of thing that motivates you. And if you already know that, use this too. Um, but, but incorporate things that motivate you into the way that you structure your plan. So for me, um, uh, pu- publicly accomplishing a goal to put on my resume does not motivate me because I don't care what other people think about me. So it doesn't help me accomplish anything if I just, you know, list things that I want to win. Things that motivate me are, uh, because I'm a, a very curious and exploratory-minded person, things that motivate me are uh, the ac- accumulation of knowledge, um, different experiences, stuff like that. So if I wanted to build a plan that would help me accomplish it, uh, I would put in there Uh, I would structure it in a way that would have me learning things about myself as I went through the whole process because then I'm accumulating this understanding of how I operate and what makes me get better uh, as I go along and that's going to make me, you know, if I'm not actively currently doing something that's in my plan, I'm going to be thinking about 
the stuff that I gain from doing my plan, it's going to make me want to go do it because I get excited about that kind of stuff. Um, the, uh, uh, as far as motivation goes, if you're somebody that needs external motivation and support, then I would put, I would put things in there in your practicing, or, uh, if you have a, a, a health, uh, aspect of your plan in terms of like fitness and nutrition, put in, you know, find somebody else, uh, who's a friend that can do those things along with you to give you accountability and help push you when you need motivation. Uh, understand if you're internally or externally motivated and structure what you're doing around that, that type of stuff. Uh, as far as what a structured plan looks like for somebody who hates structure, uh, that question is very uniquely individual to each person. But that can be answered by understanding more about yourself and, and, and literally doing what I just explained. I personally hate structure. So I'm not going to build a plan that says Wednesday afternoon you need to do this practice and you need to do, you know, um, I, I mentioned this earlier, but like do a grid practice with 10 shots at uh, every 10 yards back and don't do it and keep doing it until you, until you can do it without missing. To me, that's so routine like that I, I don't, I can't focus while I'm doing it because the, uh, the mundane feeling that I get of just being on autopilot and going through the motions doesn't make me want to or get excited about doing that so um i like creativity and um uh like exploring like i just said so my plan would be not structured in a routine at all my plan would be more about like you know i want to learn this i want to learn that i want to learn this and then i would go and try to do that with and expect a lot of failure in the process of that but i learn from the failure and so i'm just gaining knowledge as i go and that kind of stuff um but uh again how what a structured plan looks like for somebody who hates structure the answer is that it accomplishes what you're trying to do or gain but doesn't make you feel like you're going through a routine so the best way to do it uh, f f in the most simple way i can explain it is that you don't have routine in your structure your structure is definitions of things you're trying to gain but your path forward in doing that is left uh undefined but with guidance so you know it would be more along the lines of that you know I need to gain this skill and instead of writing down what you need to do when you need to do it and how you need to do it it would be uh you know more along the lines of this is going to be my focus for for this specific practice uh, and then I'm going to go out and I'm going to just play around and explore in these different types of targets. But every time I'm shooting, instead of trying to hit, I'm going to be thinking about the uh, and using self-awareness to assess what I experienced and felt. And, um, and then, uh, you know, grade each shot based off of that instead of, you know, giving myself a grade for how well I'm executing a very routine-like structure. 
um, the, uh, uh, the importance of balance in your plan, uh, this is where I'm going to get a little bit more in depth. The, it is so easy to get hyped up on this and, and put together a plan that is so involved that it does not allow you to focus on the things uh, that the on the other things that are important in your life. So when putting together a plan, it's important to understand how will that first off, you should list all the other things, all the passions and hobbies that you have in work and family family commitments and things like that. And when you put together your plan, ask yourself, how will this influence those things? How, how is it, is, does my plan take away from the ability that I have in my schedule to, to do these commitments or to have a good, uh, you know, relationship with my friends or family, or does it take away all my personal time? Uh, does it, you know, does it cost me so much money that I end up, you know, having to change the way I live, all that kind of stuff. It's very, very important to understand how your plan influences your life balance because it is better to have a, um, a, a path forward to accomplish your goals that's less intense and less involved that may leave you a little bit less prepared but doesn't influence the emotional and uh, relationship stability of your life uh, and financial stability of your life. Literally, even if your plan doesn't influence your finances at all and doesn't influence uh, much of anything other than you know the amount of time that you have to, to decompress, and, and uh, you know, spend time on other things that you like doing outside of shooting, dependent on how your personality works and what motivates you. If you spend so much time working on shooting that you don't have time to segment your interests in other things, when you go to a tournament, your the level and depth of focus that you have accessible to you will not be your absolute maximum all things incorporated because you literally will for lack of better terms be burnt out it's important to understand how much you can put into this without losing focus because you don't want to be practicing every day to where it starts to become uh, you know, so mundane to you that when you go to a tournament, you don't feel excited and nervous. It's important to feel those things because those things help us focus. Um, and likewise, if, you know, if your plan, you know, still allows you to have time for your interests and hobbies, but influences how much time you can spend, uh, with your wife or your kids or your friends, and by executing and going forward in your plan and doing all the things and checking everything off that it starts to create any type of uh, a little bit of um, a turmoil in those relationships, even if it's really not that bad. When you go to a tournament, your presence will be effective and affected in terms of your um, ability to 
think about only what you need to think about. Clarity of thought and and peacefulness, uh, emotional peace and stability and all those things are so vitally important to being able to compete that it's it's worth sacrifice sacrificing preparedness to maintain those things. So, you know, what I would recommend for a lot of you uh, who are who have goals that are on the spectrum that are closer towards the end of the spectrum that are very heavily involved and very serious and hard to accomplish that are going to require a really heavy influence of work or input of work, I should say. Um, once you come up with a plan, talk to the people in your life that are important to you that it would affect and say, Hey, this is what I'm going to be doing. These are my goals. This is really important for me to accomplish. And I want to give this a very serious effort. I want your input on what you think about all of this. I want your input on this travel schedule, on on the on the amount of days in a week I'm going to be putting towards, uh, you know, practicing. Or if it's not week, it, you know, it's how many days in a month. Or I want your input on how much this is going to cost. Or, uh, you know... Uh, you know, tell me what you think about this, because if if, if it's going to influence, uh, you know, if it's going to create animosity or create um, resentment in any way, I want to make sure that it doesn't do that so that I have your support um, and so that we can do this together. Because if I can go to a tournament and have the your, you know, have encouragement from you and the support of you, um, to be able to be there and focus on those things. And I know I don't have to worry about anything else. That's going to help me accomplish my goals. And I care about how you think about this because you're important to me. That type of conversation will be very important to have. Um, so, uh, again, balance in your plan is incredibly important and you need to make sure that you don't get too singularly focused on it to where you're sacrificing other things that are important to you in your life because uh, it's very easy to unknowingly do that. And even if you knowingly do that and you're somebody that, uh, you know, whose life situation currently isn't something that seems like it would matter too much if you just solely focused on that, you may even just be fo be sacrificing your ability to focus and care that much because you feel like you've invested so much of everything that you have into shooting that you just don't want to be there anymore. You don't want to burn yourself out in the process of trying to accomplish what you want because at the end of the day, we do this because we love it, not because of you know the resume that we accumulate at the end of the day unless you're somebody that does it because of that <laughs> but um yeah so uh i think that's good enough on the building the plan category um if you have any questions on that feel free to submit a question on my website as as you can do for any other category but we will move on to staying focused and disciplined and then see what happens. So with this category, um, it's pretty simple. And I promise you, this will be the shortest uh, category that I have in here. <laughs> staying focused and disciplined. 
how do you do it? So how do I stay on track and keep making progress and getting better? The answer to that is simple. Find a way to stay motivated and, and, and maintain some, uh, some level of accountability to what you're doing. As far as the motivation goes, the only way to answer that question is to ask yourself another question, which is, what motivates me? If you can answer that question, then build that into the process of executing your plan. If the thing that motivates you is, uh, you know, accomplishing your goals, that's going to be pretty easy. If the thing that motivates you is, um, you know, if you're somebody that procrastinates and, and doesn't like to do that kind of stuff, break down your process into smaller little things. The, the smaller little things that you can have, the easier it will feel like it is to accomplish them, and then you'll keep doing it. Um, the... Uh, if you, if the process of learning helps you feel motivated, then structure your plan into that. If doing it with somebody else helps you feel motivated, then structure your plan like that. If um, if a teaching or or giving somebody uh, information and watching them uh, progress, you know, through their goals helps you stay motivated, then use this podcast to help you teach them that, work with them on that, and do both of your plans together. Um, Whatever you feel motivated by, long story short, put that into your process and use that as the fuel to to fire you up and get you to do the things that are on your plan. Um, As far as, you know, how do you keep making progress? Those two things are hand in hand. The, if, you, if you're motivated to, to go through the process of executing what's on the list of things that you feel like are important to accomplishing your goal, then the, the further forward that you go, the more progress that you're going to make. But on top of that, the way that you uh, structure your stepping stone goals should help you make progress. So, you know, it's not very valuable to just list the end product goal for the end of the year and say, all right, here's all the processes that I need to be able to accomplish that by this time. Break apart what what experiences would be important to have to accomplish that goal at the end of the year or if it's in the middle of the year, whenever it is. Break apart what, what knowledge gained would be important and help you accomplish that when you're in the moment and um, use the answer to that question to build process, uh, stepping stone goals so that you can measure that and understand, okay, you know, like I am making progress because I'm checking off these, these stepping stone goals and it's giving me important information and knowledge and things like that. That's the way that you stay focused and disciplined. And uh, the other way that you can do it is by participating in this podcast. The whole purpose of this is to build a community where all of us have the same goal of accomplishing our goals. And the more that you participate and submit things and interact with people that are also doing the same, the more that you're going to feel energized to be able to do all this stuff. And you'll have people to help push you when it when you don't feel like doing it. Um, so, uh, participate and engage in the podcast. Uh, find what motivates you. Work with people to hold you accountable, and you should be good to go. Okay, so lastly, the last question 
that hopefully doesn't apply to anybody as we progress through for the rest of the year is what do I do if I'm not seeing any improvement or making progress towards my goals? The easiest way to answer that question is that you first need to have the structure built into your plan to be able to assess and measure progress and improvement. Um, so if, you, if you're not seeing any improvement or progress towards that, then go back and look to see if your plan has a way of actually even doing that. If your plan doesn't, if your plan only has your goal and then the things that are important to do to get it and, and attain that goal, it's not possible for you to see progress because there's nothing that you're measuring. And uh, even if you have things in there that measure progress in your stepping stone goals, you may not have actually gone through and been able to dissect that plan well enough uh, and that goal well enough to be able to use metrics and measurable information that tracks your progress in the way that you uh, really need to. So if you're not seeing any improvement, the first thing to do is to go back and assess, does my plan allow me to? If it doesn't, then add that into your plan. And if it does, reassess if it allows you to measure success in all the ways possible because it, dependent on the structure of what your goals are it may be hard to understand uh, what success looks like if your goal is something like you know find a way to uh, let's say one of your goals is to really just enjoy the socialization aspect of shooting a monthly league with your friends at your local tournament uh, at your local club then you know, dependent on your mood when you go, it's going to be hard to find. To, and afterwards, it's going to be hard to assess whether or not you're being successful in that. And so um, you are going to want to define things like what types of things do you enjoy when you're out shooting with your friends? Is it the success that you have that makes you have fun? Is it how well you interact with your friends and the type of things that you do during or afterwards? You know, that will be important to do. And that's kind of like a really crappy answer. Um, but the uh, it, it sounds like a, 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 a not useful answer. But it really is. The definition of what is success to you is going to be important for you to measure this. Let's say that um, after all of your going back through and analyzing and making sure everything is right, you find out that, yeah, everything is right. I defined it as good as I possibly can. I have the correct stepping stone goals uh, and milestone trackers, you know, uh, incorporated into everything. And I'm just not doing this. Uh, I'm just not accomplishing these things as I progress forward. Every chance that I get to measure success, I end up failing at it. Um, then you're going to want to ask yourself truly is the goal that you set for yourself something that you really, really want? And I, I touched on that earlier on, um, but I'll bring it back again. If your goal is, uh, you know, something that you put down there because somebody else wants you to do it or because you think that it would be, you know, 
fun to talk about accomplishing, it's going to be hard to find the motivation to actually go through the process of accomplishing those stepping stone goals to measure your success or actually accomplish your goal. So make sure that that's the case. Then um, if if your goal, if you can truly say that your goal is something that you are really, really want and that means a lot to you for whatever reason uh, that you use for that, then uh, assess whether or not the structure of your plan has the correct uh, defined types of things that motivate you within it. So, you know, uh, for the purpose of understanding whether or not that you actually feel the need to go through the process of things to gain the skills, knowledge, uh, assets, whatever, that you that you need to perform at the moment when you're up against either a stepping stone goal or your product goal where you know it, an easier way of saying that is basically saying look at if you're excited to go through and execute your process if you're not excited about doing that you're probably not doing it um, if you are doing it then you want to ask yourself, am I doing it in a way that's just going through the motions to check something off a list? Or am I doing it in a way that I'm actually learning from and getting better from? If you're just doing things to check off the list, then reevaluate what your process goals are and reevaluate why they're there and what they can give you once you are going through them. Um, and then lastly, let's just say everything is perfect and you're not making progress. If that's the case and your motivation is good, your goals are good, your execution of your process and your discipline is good, um, you're focused during everything and you're learning through all this, then you actually are making progress and you are seeing an improvement because you're learning things about yourself. And yeah, you may not accomplish your goal at the end of the year. You know, the majority of us probably won't because the purpose of a goal is to be something that's not easily attainable. Um, you know, one of my product goals for the end of 2023 is to win the national championship. I have been competing for 23 years and I'm probably getting close to having entered my 20th national championship if I'm not there already. And I had 20 shots or so of doing that, and I've never won. Um, and I, I'm, I have never prepared as much as I plan on preparing for this year's national championship. But still, even with that, the probability of me winning is not very high. And... That's okay with me because all of the things that I will accomplish and gain and learn along the way of doing that will just help me do it the next year. So a lot of it is about the, the way that you view what you're doing. If you're purely product-oriented and you measure success in, uh, in attainable things, you may want to just reevaluate the way you look at the process that you're going through because really the goals that we have listed 
we're going to work really hard to accomplish them. And I'm going to help you get to the point where you can. But if you don't, that doesn't mean that you failed. It just means that you didn't get it that time. You can always do it again next year. And the next time that you do it, you'll have a better chance of doing it because you just worked the whole year to be able to accomplish that goal. And yeah, you fell short, but you also gained valuable experience about what when what choices you can make in the middle of that round or in the middle of whatever you're doing that don't lend towards being able to accomplish that goal. And so then the next opportunity that you get at doing it and accomplishing it, you won't make those decisions that time and you'll make different decisions. And let's say that, you know, there are uh, theoretically this random goal that we're talking about has 20 possible uh, you know, at the very last moment when you can do one more thing to either accomplish it or not accomplish it. Let's just say there's 20 different things you can do in that moment. And let's say only one of them nets in you accomplishing the goal. It may take you 20 attempts at doing it. If it's a tournament, that's going to take you 20 years. I'm hoping that the national championship only has 20 different uh, failure options because <laughs> I don't know how long I'm going to keep doing this. But, you know, that's if that's a t if it's a tournament, like I said, that's 20 different attempts. That's 20 different years. If it's, you know, a monthly event at your at your local club, that's, you know, about a year and a half. If it's just an experience that you're looking to have, who knows how long that that time frame can be. But every time that you do it and fail, you're in this theoretical example, you're one twentieth of the way closer to succeeding. And you may it may take you all 20 attempts to get that successful attempt, or it might take you two. But regardless, every time you do it, you learned one way not to. So that's valuable. Um, so that's all that I got for you on that for now. What we will do with this question is we will have our own uh, measurable uh, milestones as we go through the year to just check in and say, hey, how are we doing as far as uh, making progress towards accomplishing all of our individual and unique goals? And, and we'll see how many of us are on track and how many of us are not. And if you're not, then we'll talk about and learn about how to, if we need to, restructure and, and uh, reanalyze and replan some of the things that we're doing so that we can, you know, make an analysis on this is working or this isn't working. And then with the information that we have gained so far, put together a better attempt and a more knowledgeable attempt uh, at, you know, uh, getting to the point where we're seeing improvement and making progress. So we'll have those steps along the way to, to make sure that we have the best attempt possible. But um, other than that, the uh, just keep going through and uh, total ADHD mind blank on that one. <laughs> so... And I can tell you one thing, I've done that enough to know when I'm going to get it back and when I'm not. That one's gone forever. I have no idea what I was going to say, and I hope it was not important. So anyways, um, cool. Well, I hope that this episode was uh, in entertaining and valuable for you guys. Um, 
the uh, let's just real quickly get into a summary of everything then we'll wrap up and we're good to go and I will see you guys on the YouTube episode all right so just a real quick run through of everything that we talked about uh, I'm gonna go in depth with everything that I just said and explain it all again so that we can double the length of this podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the uh, so we uh, we first touched on goal setting. We talked about the types of goals, time frames of goals, what stepping stone goals were. Then we went into like the important and required qualities that you need to achieve your goals. How to find that. Um, what to use it for, what it's important for. We went into a self-analysis, what that is, how to use it. Uh, We talked about building a plan and how to take all the things in this episode, put them together, and, uh, and, and structure something that helps you move forward and make progress towards accomplishing those goals. Then we just briefly touched on how to stay focused and disciplined, and then what to do if we're not seeing improvement. Um... The uh, again, I'll mention uh, in case you didn't hear the other two times in the podcast that there is a outline in the description of this podcast for the timestamps of all the different parts of this podcast. So if you want to, if you want to go back through and take notes on something uh, that I said, you can just look at those timestamps and then go to that time in the podcast. Um, also. If you have any questions on anything, because the purpose of this podcast is for me to teach you things, it's going to be important for me to know what I'm failing at communicating to you. Um, So on my website, there is always a question submission form, and that will be very unique to every episode. So if you go on there and you click the question submission form, and you click the episode that you have a question on, it actually will detail out just the categories um, and the, t- the talking points that I have for that episode so that you, you can remember what we covered real quickly in a summary. You don't have to go back through and listen to the podcast again. And then you can type in the questions that you have. And I will do my best to always answer your questions um, and, and because I want to help you guys accomplish these goals. And I think it would be super fun if we can all do this together. So go there if you have any of that. My website, again, in case you don't know, uh, is on the bottom of this uh, podcast in the description, but it's also just dredulovich.com. You can just search my name in Google as well, and it will pop up. And uh, if you go to on the top menu of the page, it will say the Journey Podcast. If you click that, all of the important stuff is in there. And, uh, and the question submission form is there. Your goal submission sheet is there if you want to redo that. The shoot analysis sheet is on my website if you want to do that. Also, my schedule for booking lessons is on my website in all the different places that I visit. Uh, I, I travel all over the country to book lessons. Uh, and uh, I have a schedule that uh, goes out through the end of 2023. I also do video calls every day with students all over the world, and uh, and they're really cool. They're recorded. Um, we can go in depth with a shoot analysis sheet. We can uh, you know do something totally different. 
I can take the videos that you send me during your practice or tournaments, and we can analyze those things. At the end of every video call, you you will get a link with the epi- with the not the episode, but the but the whole video call recorded that you can watch over and over again, uh, and you never lose it. That's incredibly inv- uh, that's incredibly valuable. So I highly recommend any of you guys to do that if you like. Um, and then. Uh, lastly, I'll just cover some uh, scheduling things. Because of how many people we had submit their goal sheets, I'm going to move the YouTube Live uh, informal episode instead of being uh, Wednesday um, of this week. Let's make it Thursday so that you guys have two days to digest uh, all of the information that I just spewed in this episode, uh, and, and can, you know, come to the, the YouTube live, uh, video with any questions you may have or comments you may have. Uh, so we will do the YouTube live informal episode. That's really just a hangout to get to know each other and goof off. We'll do that on the 12th of January on Thursday. Um, so far on my schedule, uh, schedule and calendar. I have it planned to uh, start those at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Time and go until 10 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Not for the purpose of saying that you need to be there for three hours, but just because there are so many of you across so many different time zones that I want to make sure that I don't do it at a time that everybody on the West Coast is still in work or that's so late that everybody on the East Coast is asleep. So I'll be there for three hours. You guys can be there for as much time or as little time as you'd like, but it'll be fun. We'll enjoy it. We'll hang out, get to know each other, talk about this kind of stuff, and answer any questions that you have. And um, I will be looking forward to that. So thank you guys again. Uh, for listening to this episode and also if you have any questions or concerns or comments about how it would be helpful for me to structure things even things like David I hate the way you explain things because you ramble on for so long that I lose what you're talking about let me know because if a lot of you do that uh, tell me that then I'm gonna hire somebody to just read off bullet points for these podcasts so I can (laughs) be less confusing (laughs) no I'm just kidding uh but yes, so uh, that's all I got. Uh, I am currently in Houston, Texas at Westside Sporting Grounds and have a few days in between. Next week, I'm going to be up in Rochester, New York, uh, teaching at Rochester Brooks. I know there's probably going to be some of you guys that I have lessons with there listening to these uh, episodes. So uh, I will see you there. And um, I think at the time that I'm there is going to over uh, shoot one of the YouTube lives. So maybe we'll do a little fun thing with all of us there and kind of uh, get a little group participation. We'll see what what happens. Um, But thank you guys very much. Uh, If you can, uh, go to YouTube, log into YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel so that you get notifications of when the live events are up and you can participate. I will say that if you're going to participate in a live or if you're just going to come watch a YouTube live uh, video 
um, where you want to be able to interact with me and like type in the chat so I can answer your questions and interact with other people watching, you will have to be able to be logged into YouTube. Uh, so um, if you, I'm only saying that because there are some people here that might not understand how that works and might get frustrated. So um, if you don't have a YouTube account already, uh, create one and subscribe to the Journey Podcast on there. And uh, that way I can talk to you on there and even pull you in on video if, if you want. So thanks again, and we will see you guys in a couple days. Adios.